saying no is gonna increasingly become more easy, but just kind of ripping the bandaid off at the beginning and understanding what saying no can do is so important. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode 121 and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. I do not have a lisp anymore. I don't have a splint anymore. I am six and a half weeks post surgery and I can't really eat despite what they told me that I was going to be able to do, but uh, at least I can talk normally because that is what is most important with a podcast. So I am healing. It's coming along. Um, still, still pretty hungry. My jaw's uh, still pretty sore, but that's okay. We're on the other side of it and I feel great otherwise. So I'm excited to be able to do these intros again without a painful lisp. So I apologize for those, um, but going forward, this is what we're going to sound like. So today's episode is with Maria. She is the founder of Food by Maria. Heard of it. It is a huge blog, a cookbook, and an app, all of the things. She has great recipes. My favorite is these like five-ingredient ginger cookies. They're made with almond flour. I'm obsessed I feel like they're healthy in my head. I tell myself they're healthy, um, but she has great recipes, so I highly recommend checking it out. She is plant-based, so it is great if you are looking for delicious plant-based recipes like myself and you have no idea what's going to taste good or not. So highly recommend checking out her blog for those. In this episode, she shares the journey of that blog and how she took the leap of quitting her full-time job to pursue the career as a food blogger, despite what people were saying, how people were saying she shouldn't be a blogger, all of the things that go along with making a career change that people aren't really sure what you're doing. She talks about how she's created multiple revenue sources and how to determine when to delegate jobs within the business that you aren't good at or don't enjoy. And this is something if you own a business like myself, you should really listen to again, take some notes, and then implement them into your business. She shares her advice as a business owner, a content creator, and a food blogger. She's great. This is a great episode, and let's jump into it. Here is Maria. Let's just jump into it. Do you want to start with introducing yourself? Um, I think everyone listening should know who Food My Maria is, but give us a little little background of who you are, what you do, all of that. Perfect. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining. I'm so pumped to be here with Rachel. My name is Maria Kutoyanis, and I'm the founder, content creator, photographer, soul behind blog, um, Food by Maria. I am a recipe developer, as I've mentioned, and I am just someone who creates really good food for everyone. So if you don't have our recipes, go check them out now. <laughs> Yeah, but actually, they're so good, and I have so many of them saved. My favorite one is still those, like, ginger cookie things you made last year. Like, with, like, three. Yeah, and there's, like, three ingredients. They're literally, I still make them. I make them all year. I know it was, like, a Christmas recipe, but they're my favorite, like, five-second cookie recipe. Isn't it so easy? I'm in love with it. Yeah, so definitely make sure everyone check her out. Amazing recipes. Do you do all... Are they all vegetarian or plant-based? They're all plant-based-ish. So a lot of, I'm moving into a little bit more of a vegetarian vibe-ish, which I'm pretty 
psyched about because I finally feel like I lean into the person that I am offline as well. So I am not completely vegan. I am predominantly plant-based ish. I love plants. I love cooking with plants, but yes, most of my recipes are plant-based apart from some that may have cheese and honey. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and do you want to share the journey of food by Maria? Um, I think it's a great story. I think the first time I heard it was at that babes who brunch like years ago, um, in person back, you know, in those days (laughs) and it's such a great story. So I would love for you to share where food by Maria came from. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, ultimately food by Maria was born in a little flat in England with my boyfriend. I was living in England at the time and kind of bored, kind of unhappy, kind of unsure. And I was like dabbling into the concept of food while overcoming an eating disorder and just recently being diagnosed with IBS. So it was a really confusing, weird time on top of the fact that I was genuinely just not overly happy living in gloomy England. So Food by Maria, I think, honestly came about one evening. Andrew and I were just like sitting on the couch and I was like, I think I'm going to start a food account. I had been sporadically posting food on like my personal. It was like maybe if I was meal prepping or if I was doing something that evening, I just would post. I don't know, at the time I wasn't plant-based. I mean, still probably eating the same way I do now, but just talking about it more. I would post like a chicken or some roasted salmon and people would be like, oh, that looks yummy. And I just felt like there was like a little bit of interest. So I was like, you know what, let's just do it. And I kind of used Food by Maria as a way to also lean into my IBS and figuring out what was triggering my symptoms because I was just so unsure about it. And the first thing that they gave me when I went to the doctor, when I was diagnosed with something called a FODMAP, which is essentially a list that says what you can and cannot eat. And I felt like that was falling back into disordered eating. So I used Food by Maria's posts to kind of determine like what I was eating and, and how it may have been like triggering the symptoms. So that was really fun. But honestly, Food by Maria was just like this really random thing that I felt lived in me for so, so long, but I finally was just like, I have to do this. And then the photography was really crappy at the beginning. And I was still so encouraged by myself because I was like, I think this is awesome. Looking back now, I'm like, this is really bad content, but I was just so enthused and stoked. And I was committed to make it work because I was so unhappy in my accounting job. I went to school, I'm a major in accounting minor in economics and finance. I studied here in Calgary and it just was not a thing for me. And I knew I needed to get out. So after leaving England, I came back to Canada. I went back to my serving job and I also worked at Neil's yard and I did other couple jobs just to make ends meet. And then food by Maria just sort of flourished. And eventually I was offered like, a cookbook and then we developed an app and then it was just really an incline but it wasn't until about two or three years into hustling where I actually started reaping the benefits because the first two to three years I basically made no money like no joke I think at one point I was earning maybe $800 a month and it was just enough to pay my rent but even then I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> so yeah right. that's a quick synopsis not quite short, but that's a, that's a little preview and review of Food by Maria's birth. <laughs> I love that. And so when did that, when was that? Was that like 10 years ago, eight years ago that the no, idea? Uh, oh, okay. So the idea 
Like when you're in London, when was so that? So dating Andrew in would have been 2015. No, no, no. Okay, so the blog just turned five on October 1st. So that would have been 2015, but I started my Instagram account a year earlier. So it was September, 2014 that I started the Instagram account. And then it wasn't till about three years ago what, that I got my cookbook deal. So it wasn't until 2017. So it all was like a big progression of like work, 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 have no idea if this is ever going to pay off. And then it, out of nowhere, it was just like, do you want to write a cookbook? And then it was kind of then where I was like, okay, I can quit my serving job. At that point, I only had one paying client and I just thought, let's give it a try. The worst that could happen is I have to go and back go back become a waitress but I knew that wasn't going to be the case but it, it was still terrifying totally well I feel like something that you don't really know what's happening you don't really know the longevity of something like that because even I feel three years ago influencer marketing and blogging and all of that I think was people were being successful but we didn't really know like nowadays I feel like people set out to be that's like their career is like, I'm going to be a blogger, I'm going to be an influencer, which I feel like wasn't necessarily the mindset three to five years ago. Which... It was sh more shamed upon then. It was kind of like, well, I mean, it still is now to people who don't understand it. But uh, yeah, definitely. It was kind of like, am I going to create a job for myself? Like it wasn't a, it wasn't a pursue of a structured thing that we were familiar with. It was like, I will create something and it just kind of went with my gut and hope to God that it worked and it did. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, and what would you say are the top like three lessons that you've learned about building your brand and building a business at the same time? Honestly, so many things and I had to make those sounds. If you just heard those, I'm sorry, that was me. <laughs> and I just have to think so hard. Um, the three things that I learned are saying no is going to increasingly become more easy, but just kind of ripping the bandaid off at the beginning and understanding what saying no can do is so important. Um, I learned delegation. I can't do everything because I'm only operating at my certain zone of genius, which is like the recipe development and talking to clients. Those are the two things that I really excel at. So things like SEO or blog writing or um, email funnels, marketing, I don't have time for that, nor do I have the expertise. So I've hired out and I've better understood how much that can like open up free time. And from that, we have landed more clients because I'm focusing on other things. Um, and then I would say the third thing is honestly all around, it, it's like, it's not, it's, it's never going to get easier. So I kind of just had to let go of the concept of like a year from now, maybe I will be able to like have a kid or maybe a year from now I won't be as busy or maybe a year from now I'll have more money. It's like, it never changes to be honest. It's just a large evolution of like, you just like procreate food by Maria cells in a molecule and they just keep getting bigger and then the molecule gets bigger, but nothing happens. Like it's never going to change. So you just kind of get used to it. You adapt. So I think, I guess the point I'm making is from the get-go, if you could just understand that there isn't going to be an overall structure and no matter how hard you try, like to work less or to do this and that, like just understanding it's in your control and like you have to just work around everything as out of control as everything feels. It's still in your control to say, 
this is my boundary and this is what I'm going to do, but you have to let go of the outside forces or else you're going to go crazy. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really good summary of like running your own business is really understanding what that boundary is and not having to control everything because that is, I think what even just takes up too much like brain capacity is trying to think about everything that's happening at the same time and making sure it's like sticking to your path. And I feel like you said um, when you realized that you should delegate is really when things were better for you um, just because you were doing the things that you really like to do and that you were good at. So when I feel like even like personally, this is like a personal question now. um, When did you decide you had like enough money for that? Because I feel like a lot of people, myself included, you kind of get stuck with like, I'm making enough money to like support myself, but not necessarily like hire somebody. So how did you make that jump into hiring other people? I mean, honestly, it, uh, so I made my first hire in January of 2018 and she came on to help me with like brand partnerships and I had never done that before and I was terrified, but I was just sort of like, okay, I guess we're going to have to do it because it's going to work out. And the rate was significantly smaller than what I ended up paying her after our, like, um, what do they call that word? Like a term period just to see like how it went. And, uh, it ended up being the best thing that could ever happen to me because I learned the value of like an outflow of cash. So I like to look at like money as like an exchange of energy in a way. So if I'm giving, I have to receive, So throughout that, I would learn to like outsource even more of my blog content. So I would end up being like, hey, this month um, with another girl that works for me, I'd say we have to do 10 posts as opposed to five. And it was just because I was saying, I I don't know how to explain this in the way because there was honestly no right timing. Like I didn't have the money, but I knew that I could make it because you're freeing up time. So as long as you feel comfortable with the amount of money you have, and kind of a forecast of what you expect. So if you know how many clients you're working with in the future, what your ad revenue could be, what what sources of income you have going in from different revenue streams, you should just be able to decide, I can afford an extra two grand a month. So, but it's never gonna get easier and you have to justify to yourself, do I need to go to, for coffee every day? If that's like your thing, then cool. But think of the opportunity cost. That's $300 that I could pay someone to do blog posts for me to start with. So it's just different things and it sacrifices and figuring out like what works, but truthfully, you just don't really know. And even today I have eight contractors on my team and you still need more help. And that the reason for that is because we've freed up so much time by hiring these people that we actually are seeing what I need help with. And it's like, damn girl sucks at this. We need to hire someone who's good at that. You know what I mean? Cause you eventually just niche into what you're good at. And it's literally my hope is to just deal with clients and recipe development. So you'll eventually get there. It's just kind of following the gut. Right. Yeah. And that's, I guess, like, you know, best, like if you're in the business, then you know best about where it can go and what you need help with to make it better. Instead of wasting so much time too, because I feel like if you're trying to do something you're not really great at, or you don't really like, then you're spending even like double the time doing it when someone who likes it or is good at it could finish it way quicker. And so having that like calculation, I guess, is what you're saying. 100%. And honestly, you're just going to kind of know as a a business owner, you're just going to know when it's time. It might not even be a matter of money. It might be like a matter of sanity. Like, do you just need that help? 
Because once you right. clear off those things off your plate, I promise you, it just gets so much easier. Right, totally. <laughs> oh, much easier. Um, and just speaking about money, since we're doing that, I know a lot of people who don't understand the industry or don't like really get what you're doing behind the scenes. Um, if you feel comfortable, can you talk about kind of like where your income is coming from and the different streams and how someone should start to build in those multiple revenue streams so that you are having income come from different things? Yeah, of course. So there's different sources of revenue for sure. Um, things like ad revenue, app revenue, cookbook revenue, social media promotion revenue, freelance recipe development for my agency, and then um, trying to think. Oh, our courses that we just launched. So that's going to be a large form of, um, uh, I guess, passive income, which is amazing because it's going to live green and then we'll update every six months. But there are so many different ways just kind of identifying within your niche what works and figuring out what works for you. So for instance, if you're a photographer, um, I mean, this year has probably been unique for you, especially if you're like a wedding photographer. But if you're really good at your craft, you could start things like, and if you're already quite well known and you have like followers and stuff and you know you have aspiring photographers, you could start by offering online courses. You could start by offering presets. You could start by offering uh, packages on like how to... I'm just trying to think of different creative ways. It's like photography for figuring out like how to stage a wedding on your own or like online stuff. It's, 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 it's just kind of figuring out what other people haven't quite tapped into and whether or not you're good at it and then kind of going for it. And honestly, worst case scenario, you, you lose some money. I, I've been there. There have been times where I've created things and they just don't work and that's totally okay. But like starting passive income sources is so important. And obviously not everyone is just going to have an opportunity to create an app. I get that. But whatever you do, there's going to be a, a passive form of income. So for instance, with me, what I've identified as like one of my favorite things to do, um, it does occupy quite a bit of my time, but it's like what I'm really good at is landing clients and actually getting them interested in like talking to me and moving forward with long-term partnerships and stuff. So like, for example, if I ever needed an extra source of revenue, if things got like bad, let's say, that's what I would then do. I would then go to other people and say, hey, I can help you land more clients. Or I would go to my agency and I'd basically represent myself maybe under a different name. And then I would land more clients. So it's like kind of just figuring out what you're good at, identifying like your, your, your most asked question almost, and then starting from there. But there are All so right. many different things. And ultimately, you just got to go for it. You just got to go for it. Right. Yeah. And like, like you said, the worst that happens is you like learn something about whatever is you created, if it didn't work, or you can make it better in the future. And I always find even if you read the DMs or what people are asking you, what they're commenting, that's almost a way to look at what you can offer people because the people that are following you, they want something from you. So if you can kind of hone in on what they're looking for, would you say that that's a way to determine what else you can offer to people? 100%. Um, leading up to creating the course, DMs to the bank and the Maria Method, Mastering Your Media Kit, we identified that a lot of the questions that I asked in DMs was, how do you make money? And how do you always work with these cool brands? So I was like, okay, I'll teach you how to do both. Right. <laughs> um, and just, um, so have those launched? You can do a little plug for your courses right now. Are they officially launched? 
Yeah, yeah. They've officially launched. You could check them out on my Instagram page called Media by Maria. And then we have a website called mariamethod.com. Both our courses, DMs to the Bank and uh, Mastering Your Media Kit are available along with a bonus package if you purchase both of the courses. It's really well priced. It's $151 for both of them plus the bonus. You get like 12 templates so many good things, voice recordings, like it's really well instructed. They're not majorly time consuming. It's a lot of implementation using Canva and kind of just taking the assets and flowing with them. I love that. I feel like that's so helpful for people that do want to like level up their food page or take their business to the next level. So I think that's an awesome resource for people to utilize, especially if you're inside, not really doing much because there's nowhere to go. Especially if you live in like the Arctic of Canada. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I don't even understand what's happening with this weather right now. I know. It's been snowing for like three days straight and just like pure snow. I it feels know. like it's only three days. I think it's been like three days. Yeah. But I thought it's been like a week. I can't. I hate. <laughs> the, first, the first, I don't mind this first snow normally because it melts. It hasn't melted. It has not melted. I know. And it's still coming down. You're like, is this going to end or is this it for the next six months? Like next six months. Next nine months. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, okay. And you have a lot of things like happening, a lot of people you're managing. So what are the tools or resources that you use within your business daily to really keep your life together? So there's a few different ones depending on which contractor I'm helping stay organized but typically we use Asana which is a really cool online platform for like large project tasks and then we use Slack it's like texting um, for like small communicational stuff if that that's if it involves the whole team and then um, I typically use email to communicate with everyone. And then I use some of the assets within Google that I've added like um, like Boomerang and Streak. So Boomerang is a really fun tool that I love using. You click on a remind you later and you choose when. So if I send an email, it just automatically comes back in like four days, which is amazing because I don't have to write a list. I don't have to remember. I don't have to like know who I've contacted. It just comes back and it's amazing. And then Streak helps me know if someone's um, emailed it. I don't use that for my, um, my team members, obviously, but it's really useful just in general if you're out there looking for efficiency tips. And then obviously Google Drive is huge for my team to keep us all organized and we keep everything in like Google Docs or Drives and stuff if we ever have assets, photos, docs, SEO forms, designs, marketing, PDF things. They all just kind of stay there. But honestly, you can keep it pretty simple. It doesn't have to be crazy. Right. Yeah. I do like that, that you manage so many different like business outlets and people, but you still only have like a handful of tools. Cause I feel like sometimes you have too many things happening, then you're spending too much time like project managing within these tools. Yeah. I don't like doing that. Honestly, I'm really just a really well organized email girl. I don't, I don't need the extra stuff. I don't, I'm the one that you should be reminding me. If you work for me, you <laughs> sending me reminders. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like totally. I, I don't, why am I reminding you to do your job? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also pretty aggressive. So call me. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> Which people should know if they're going to work for you anyway. If they don't know that about you by just like following you on social media, then 
they shouldn't work for you. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, ooh. <laughs> but hey, I like that. But yeah, I would say overall, just like figuring out what your, um, I can't think of what the thing is right now, but figure out what type of communicator you are. I am like pretty controlling. I like the little great details. So I can find, put myself in a situation where um, it feels like to the person it's micromanaging, but to me, that's just the way I exist and my life. And that's how I operate. And I like details and I like answers. So figuring that you're figuring that out yourself and then you set those boundaries from the beginning with these tools is so helpful. So sometimes you can implement like weekly check-ins and then you don't even have to deal with the micromanaging because you're getting the weekly check-in. And that's super simple because that holds people accountable. It's a really easy way to do like an update. So it's right. sometimes it's not even about the tools. It's like the systems and the procedures when you communicate. Like I have some team members I know aren't going to get back to me for a week. And I, like, it's painful, but that's just how they are. They're busy. They have their lives going on. And then I have a few other team members. I email them and it literally, before I've even clicked sent that they've replied. <laughs> right. So it just depends. You kind of just, you just go with the flow. And especially during this pandemic, it's been like, just give people grace when you can. Totally. Yeah. And just speaking on that, how has that impacted, how has the pandemic impacted your business or has it not really at all since it's online? Yeah. So we've been really lucky. Um, there was like a month where it was slower than it normally is just because um, my business operates at about three to four months ahead of time. So when the pandemic hit in March, um, April was the weirdest month for everyone, I think. That was like the most uncertainty. So not much happened in April. So in July, that was a weird month. But I mean, it ended up being perfect because it was a beautiful month. And I had like only like six to seven clients with to some people still probably sounds like a lot but to me that's like not very busy so I just I did the things we started a beautiful patio and I had like a lot more outdoor bike rides and stuff and then when August hit we were back in the grind and here I am drowning because I'm <laughs> so grateful I'm busy so 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 grateful I don't ever want to sound like I'm not grateful and I'm actually super stoked too because I didn't have to let anyone go kept right. everyone on the team we supported everyone so i'm super pumped um yeah but food by maria did good through all this and i, I mean obviously because it's an online but i think the need for food and recipes just skyrocketed people were turning to us to make awesome food at home totally yeah you definitely helped fill people's boredom time with trying new recipes and having good food to make because i think people are like oh maybe i should cook at home what a concept so right it's crazy. I still can't even believe there are people out there that I like, I want to be that person who's like not committed to always eating at home. Although we have been eating out a little bit more recently because we are kind of craving outdoor experiences. So yeah. that's been nice too. It's just, you know, there's only so much of the cooped upness you can deal with. Totally. Thank you for listening to this episode of Full Side Podcast with Maria. We are doing a second episode. That was part one. We're going to do part two in the new year. So make sure you stay tuned. Also, because this was a two-parter, she didn't say where to follow her. But if you haven't already guessed Food by Maria on Instagram and the internet and everywhere. Um, and you can also find her personal page through Food by Maria's page. So... Highly recommend go follow her, give this podcast a 
a subscribe and a rating and a review and I will love you forever and I will see you in the next episode.